Welcome to No Shot Clock, the Chicago High School Basketball Podcast. This is episode 86. I am Michael O'Brien from the Chicago Sun-Times, here with Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Hoops Report. It has been a wild couple weeks, and we are hitting a little bit of a slow week here before we hit the Christmas tournament time. Yeah, that. I mean, two weeks ago, Mike, we had that that mega marathon shootouts, Team Rose, this past week. A lot of feeling out process there in the in the public league and some really big headline games that, that took place, upsets and showdowns that uh, you know kind of wish you, 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 we've talked about it before. You wish they were January games, really, to be honest. Uh, some of those games that are happening in the public league right now. Yeah, it was a crazy week. All kinds of stuff happened. We're gonna break it down now with. Um... Our two takes, which we always do, we'll do questions first, and then we're going to go into the, Joe and I each picked three early season surprises to break down for this season, so let's start it right up with the questions. Taquan Hamilton is up first. He says, what makes this, oh sorry, he's talking about Curie. What makes Curie's basketball team so much better than last season? I just think there's, right away there's continuity with that group as opposed to last year. I think you know, Maurice Commander came in from Marist. Marquise Walker came in. Uh, Commander was injured. She was in and out. I just, there was no cohesiveness last year. And I, I think those pieces just never came together. I think this group is all on the same page. I think they understand their roles better. And I, I think they play off each other probably better than last year's group. Yeah, I um, I, I mean, I, I just, I literally just ranked Curie number one, um, but I, I think it's early. I'm not sure they're so much better than last year. I think they're better for sure. Um, I just never liked the mix last year. Yeah, it was. I mean, Commander was hurt. You know, there. I felt like that was like a problem all year, and he never got it. You know, he needed like a, a couple, a month or two to get used to the new team and then start playing well, and that didn't really happen until March. You know, so it, it was a problem to begin with. Um, I mean, to me, the reason they're better is clearly because the three stars on this year's team are older. You know, uh, Dewan Gordon, Justin Harmon, and Remy and Hinton are older and much, much better, um, without a doubt. Let's see. Next up is Max Johnson. What do you think about Northside Chicago basketball besides schools like Uplift, Lincoln Park, Lane, and DePaul Prep? Have you seen or heard about any of the schools in the far north side? Well, those are most of the good schools <laughs> on the north side, Max. Um, Sen played Farragut pretty well. We got a question about one of their players a little bit later. Uh, other than that, not a ton going on on the north side. Vod Steuben I saw last weekend. You know, they they had a player that was decent. Um, Peyton is clearly not far north side. Um, but they're, they're definitely on the rise. Um, you know, nobody else up there really comes to mind. The um, Schurz has had a good run the last couple of years. They're not as good this year as they have been the last two, but they'd probably be the other one um, definitely worth mentioning. Schurz was right there with a lot of these other teams for the last couple of years. 
All my Northside hoops talk is going to be in my take, so that's all I got coming. You're going to save it for that. All right. Um, next up, Patrick Stevenson wants to know if we've heard about the most underrated guard in the city of Chicago, Noah Chapman. He's having multiple 40-plus games. Noah Chapman goes to Sen. Sen played pretty well at Farragut to start the year. Joe has watched Noah Chapman on the internet briefly. <laughs> Eight minutes before the podcast? Yes. Uh, yeah, I he, he's definitely underrated. Uh <laughs> Because we don't really know anything about him. But, yeah, I mean, the four-minute highlight tape looked good. But, uh, no, I can't say I've seen him. Send. Send me some highlights for the notebook. I've not seen anything. We, we will track Noah Chapman all season if you uh, send it all in. Next up is Brian Harris. Can we have, like, a send watch? We could. We have Dunbar watch almost. So oh, okay. um, we know all about Dunbar because Dunbar religiously sends their highlights. I mean, that's all it takes. Just a we quick. Have a, yeah, tweet. we should have a like a like a O'Brien watch Hall of Fame. Go through what what, what was the White was on there? Was it Mantino? Uh, moments. 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 Toussaint watch has been bubbling up and down. Um, it was actually Justin Fox. Yeah, the Fox watch. Yeah, yeah. this year we're still um, kind of like Toussaint watch is sort of happening, but not really. I don't know, nothing's really caught my eye yet. Although if Dunbar stays undefeated. Noah Chapman. Who knows? Noah Chapman could be next. Um, next question is Brian Harris. He says that I see Simeon is struggling and Bynum may be out a couple weeks. How do you think they will fare in their next game against Westinghouse? I think they win. Yeah. Um, everybody <laughs> needs to. Okay. First off, the high school basketball community has, is united in absolute rambunctious joy about Simeon's one and six record everywhere I go from the Fox Valley to Kankakee (laughs) to everywhere in between. Someone wants to talk to me about Simeon and how they're horrible and shouldn't be ranked. And what kind of all of these people have in common is they haven't seen Simeon play this year. (laughs) People out in the Fox Valley conference are saying they shouldn't be ranked. Yeah. Yeah. Fans. Yeah. Um, every basically <laughs> everyone wants to it down out there they want bit. me to bury Simeon in the ground and then they want to come dance on their grave <laughs> that is the um and I'm sorry I did take Simeon out of the rankings this week um because I figured you know they're one in six the problem is not that I don't think they're good the problem is that it's the middle of December almost the end of December and it doesn't matter anymore what I think these were officially the rankings. This happens every year when what I think no longer matters. You got to have a win or two to back up what I think. And if you don't, you got to go. And so they and some other teams, Hillcrest, for example, um, teams that didn't have a quality win got booted. So five teams got booted. Simeon was one of those teams. Unfortunately, though, for everyone that wants them, their demise to begin, Simeon's good. Um, I'm not too worried about them. They'll be fine. Yeah, they're clearly one of the top 25 teams. Um, and I get why they're not in the rankings when you're sitting with one and six. I mean, it's like a – it's so different like college basketball rankings when somebody's you know is worthy of being in the top 25, but they lose games and they're not in the rankings. So, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, now, I will say with the schedule they have – and the injury to Bynum, 
I, mean, I think it, it's going to be tough to, to put together. I mean, I, I think they'll be fine by the time February and March rolls around. But it's going to be interesting to see that loss total when we get to February and March and where, and where it's at. They have Westinghouse this week and HF on Friday. HF's going to be a really good barometer of where Yeah, Simeon's I mean, if you go, I mean, HF, and that's that Simeon? Yeah. That's kind of a cool game. I it mean, is. how many suburban schools have gone to Simeon? That is the second, as far as Rob Smith and I have found out, we looked it up like two years ago when Fenwick came in. This is the second time. All right, how so first suburban public school? Yep. Um, so yeah, it's kind of ruining my Friday. I feel nice like maybe job, Mark Condotti. I like that. Yeah, I feel like I should be there, but Leo DePaul is a great game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Friday's tough. I haven't decided where I'm going to be. One of those two, but um. All right, next up is Brady Roberts, Mike and Joe. How about those mighty men? Dunbar has a spotless record at 9-0 to start the year. I don't really know a ton about them. What's their personnel look like? Can they maintain this throughout the year? What class are they in? And what are their expectations for Proviso West? Yeah, I wish I could help a little bit on this one. Uh, I have not done my homework on the Mighty Men, so go ahead, Mike. In the first time in history, um, my knowledge of the Mighty Men's personnel comes from football <laughs> i saw all their basketball stars play football and they were they're excellent athletes i know that and tyree scurlock who is their lead player he's like a six five six 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 seven i, I don't remember exactly he's long he's athletic um he was a monster in the football field and he's basically scoring like 27 and 12 dunbar is great about sending over the highlights so i'm just looking at like the last game he had 27 and 12 Laron Owens was their quarterback. He's the point guard. Makes some sense. Um, he had 11 points in this game, 7 assists, 7 rebounds. Gavin Alston is the other guy who does a lot of rebounding and scoring for them. Uh, Jack Gleason went and saw them. Saw Dunbar against Hubbard. They won that game. He said they looked pretty good. Um, not really a ranked caliber team. I know they knocked off Solorio earlier this week. Solorio's got a very good freshman, uh, Donovan Jones. So, I, I mean, I think this is definitely a team... And, you know, they're winning these games by a lot. You know, they're beating your Catalyst Maria by 30, um, your Horizon by 80, Roe Clark by 30. They beat Hansbury by 60. So we really need to see – I mean, the Slory win was about 20. We need to see them play somebody better. They play undefeated Fenger later this week, so we'll find out. Um, I do not know what class they are in. That is actually really interesting because, as we know, if you find yourself in the right 3A uh, – <laughs> sectional yeah. magic can happen. Um, so I'm going to look that up real quickly uh, while we talk here. Yeah, I'm looking that up. And Dunbar is... 2A. They are a 2A school, yeah. So that's probably a little... They are south, though, so they will avoid the um, west side 2A cluster. Yeah, they might... If they got some decent talent, they could make a run in 2A. You know, they have size, which is good. Um, a lot of these teams that we see without – with a lot of the public league non-red teams that you see that put gaudy records up, you, when you go to see them, as I always do, they don't have size. You know, it's like five guards that can play. But we know Dunbar has size, so that could really help, especially in a 2A uh, playoff run. It, it's interesting. You know, it's nice to watch. It's a, 
It's an interesting thing to have a, a little surprise like that pop up, especially in a surprise show. Next up is Kenya Nalls, and Kenya is going to deeply regret this question, I, I feel. He wants, Kenya wants to know why I'm having such a hard time dropping Simeon from the rankings. He says, I personally don't think they should be ranked to begin with. I know it is Simeon, but they have lost a ton, and they hadn't proven they deserve to be ranked. They've played some really close games, but they haven't won. What was your reasoning for ranking them so high, or at all for that matter? <laughs> okay. Well, um, I think there may be three or four teams in the whole state that could go into Bogan and play them to overtime. Simeon's one of them. <laughs> and um, Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Yeah, Simeon's one and six. They've lost to two area teams. Bogan, at Bogan in overtime, and Curie, when their leading scorer left the game injured in the first half. And they still only lost by like less than, what was it, ten points? Or less? I mean, I was personally shocked when you had him ranked at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Maybe they're> <laughs> I, mean, I let it go. I just let it go. I didn't want to it, ride it too much. And... Yeah, you know, you always try and – they have a D1 senior backcourt. I mean, what? I don't understand why people are confused. A lot of tradition history of winning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, – All right, they, next question. Come on. Yeah. Next up, uh, Joe, the next one is for you. This is from Kenya, too. There weren't very many signings in the early period. Traditionally, how have things gone in the past with spring signings? What do you see happening this spring? Uh, it's been a, you know, I mean, of my top 20 prospects, I think everybody is signed except for Miles Baker at Young is one of them. I know Tuante Williams at Orr, uh, Rashawn Agee at Bogan. Antonio Reeves and Kendrick Chua, at, or Reeves at Simeon and Chua at Bennett. So those are probably the five best unsigned prospects. So I think that's about normal. Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. I, You know, I, again, we're, we are not in the numbers of 40-plus Division One players for about the third straight, third or fourth straight year. I mean, we, you know, that's a con- – a regular question to me over over the many years I've been doing this is, Joe, how many Division One guys come out of Illinois? And I always have usually said, well, average, a good average is in the 40s, 40 to 45, you know, great year, 45 or above, get to 50, you're having an unbelievable year. You know, you dip into the high 30s, but we've been in the high 20s, low 30s for about three or four years, and that's about where we're going to be this year. So... You know, I, I and the other shift that we've seen in spring recruiting are players who play out their senior year and still don't commit, and then go play a spring on the AAU circuit. You know, I saw Terrence Shannon do that. I mean, Terrence Shannon was as good of a senior year as he had when that final buzzer went off and that sectional loss. He was still overlooked and under recruited, even at that point. It wasn't until you know, he went and played AAU in the spring that he really shot up among college coaches and and scholarship offers, and then he just had to go prep school and all that. So anyway, you know, I, I don't think it's um, a whole lot different this year in comparison to some recent years for, for going into the spring. Agreed. Um, it seems about the same. You sometimes will have, like, you know, a Marcus Levette type or a Patrick Beverly 
you know, we're waiting to see what he does later, but we don't really have that. That gives you some excitement. All right, two takes time. Um, I'm going to start it out because I made a trip yesterday up to... I wasn't sure what I was doing. My wife was not <laughs> pleased about this. Um, I went up to see Crystal Lake Central against Cary Grove at 1.30. And, I mean, obviously that's not crazy, you know, not that far. But the problem was I was going to Marion Catholic for a 6.30 game. <laughs> so I basically drove as far away from Marion Catholic as I could and then drove back to Marion Catholic. So I was I was a little worried how it was going to go, but it was great. Um, I'm very happy I went. Uh, these were two teams I knew I definitely needed to see this year in the Fox Valley Conference, and they were playing one another. Uh, 1.30, weird start time. Okay crowd, considering that, but it does have a bit of a weird feel. But I love that Crystal Lake Central gym, too. Um, it was only the second time I'd ever been there, so I really wanted to get back there. And it did they was, say why that league played 1.30 games? The, um, administ- the whole league did, right? Yeah, the administrations want it. The coach... Um, Chris Lake Center coach raged against it in my story. He hates it. Um, he says all the coaches hate it unanimously, and they oh, want I it changed. So. Yeah, so. And, you know, the, it's, it was kind of, you know, ironic because I wouldn't have been there <laughs> if it was on a Friday night. But they're not worried about me. They want actual, you know. It's bad for college coaches, too, Saturday afternoon. Um, for sure. But anyway, the game was great. Um, it turned out to be actually much better than the Waukegan uh, Marion Catholic game I was so excited about for a couple weeks. This one was just, it was up and down and fun. And um, both teams, you know, ran nice, smooth, crisp offenses. There was a, a flow to it. It was just a really enjoyable game to watch. Alex Timmerman, who was on my top 50 players in the preseason, I was a little worried about that since I hadn't seen him play. He's a Bucknell recruit. He was really good. Had 23 points, nine boards. Three assists, kind of all in the first quarter, when things weren't going real well for his team. He was able to find some guys and get some guys hot. He, he was very. He doesn't necessarily pass the look test. Um, he's kind of a little too wide, maybe. <laughs> um, but he moves well. Um, he was diving all over the place. He actually handled the ball on the break well a couple times. So I think there's a lot to work with there um, for Bucknell. He's a skilled sure. player. I mean, he's, yeah. he, he's got touch. He got. He has some range. Good passing, big man. And they um, they, they pulled out the win at the end. Deonta Dungy, who did not start. He was a senior, um, but he had 17 points. Scored in every quarter. Was kind of their most consistent, definitely their most consistent guy other than Timmerman. Hit a couple big free throws at the end. He's a senior. He played really well. Um, but I have to say that my head was extremely turned by the by Kerry Grove's star junior. Bo Frericks. Um, I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it, but he was spectacular. Uh, 32 points, five assists. It was, uh, how shall we say, maybe low efficiency. Um, 32 points. He missed a lot of shots, but boy, were they fun. <laughs> it was, he was great. He was one of them, one of the most exciting, fun players I've seen this season, without a doubt. I would highly recommend going to check him out. He, he's a smart player, but he also does some, some fun stuff, <laughs> shall we say. And it, and it works about half the time. I, I really, really enjoyed him. They just didn't have, you know, uh, enough around him. They do have another talented junior, Frank Jakubasek. Um, I think he might have a DePaul offer from what I've read. Uh, mm-hmm. He's 6'8". Do- I mean, he was dominant on the boards, 15 boards. And that's against Timmerman down there. 
only had nine points. They, he, they weren't able to find him a lot in the post, and then nobody else did anything. Total two-man show for Kerry Grove, just kind of a problem. But this is a team that, with those two guys, a guard and a big like that, if they can find some supporting players you know, through the season and over the summer, next year this is a team that could make some noise, I think. Yeah, my take is from the Lincoln Park-Young game that was Friday night at Young, number one team, upset, went down. And, you know, we're going to talk a lot about Young going forward. Uh, I, I, you know, as you said with Simeon, I'm still, they got to get some guys going. Uh, I mean, I have two things with, with Young real quick is, you know, Tyler Beard's got to get going. Uh, he struggled Friday night, and he's one of the top you know, juniors in the state of Illinois and one of the better ones, a Division One prospect. And, uh, and then there's surrounding pieces that go with the big three of DJ Stewart, Miles Baker, and Tyler Beard. They're just kind of finding their way, figuring out uh, what their role and how they, how they can impact while those three guys are obviously the focal point. But the take is more centered around just Lincoln Park. And, you know, Lincoln Park, if, you know, those – city or high school basketball historians you know when tom levitino was coaching there and cyrus mcginnis cyrus mcginnis kind of got it kind of got it going and then tom levitino took over and they won like three regionals or four regionals uh at that time uh the montgomery brothers and so forth so that was that's over a decade ago but they've been pretty irrelevant since then and then now you know last year pat gordon i think has made Lincoln Park at least relevant in that public league. And last year they won a regional championship. They got to a sectional. They also beat Young in a, I think it was 96, 93 or some wild, crazy game. Last year they beat Young. And then they came into Young without their highest-rated prospect, Romel Howard, the 6'9", big kid, who's a junior, uh, was not dressed, did not play. And they, they, I mean, they did all the things and upset minded team is going to do which is win all the 50 50 balls and second chance offensive rebounds scoring opportunities uh, but I was more impressed just with their, their poise and, and, and the confidence that they play with and that puts a lot on what, what Pat Gordon has done in, in, in establishing that kind of culture there and they play they played really hard I, I can't say enough about Julio Montez the Five nine sophomore point guard, who's as calm and cool as, as a young guard is going to be playing against a number one team. Uh, he had I had him for twenty one. I think they officially had eighteen. But uh, Ishmael Habib, and then is another sophomore guard who played well. Tahir Thompson is a senior. So I mean, they are, you know, they're they're, they're I think they crept in your top twenty five this or this week, I believe. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do going forward at Hinsdale Central in particular immediately. And then if they can't, I mean, they're not going to be a public league contender to win the thing. Uh, but, I mean, they are going to be that team like, uh, shoot, we got to play Lincoln Park. And they've got some pieces in, in, in putting that scare into some of the upper echelon teams in the public league. Yeah, no, I mean, Pat Gordon deserves a lot of credit. I mean, I've been talking about Lincoln Park on this podcast for what? Since he got there. Was it three or four years ago? I loved that Lincoln Park team, and thought they had a big upside. And then this, what they've done with Young, I mean, I think we have to call it a, a huge rivalry now. I mean, 
like Young, Lincoln Park is a high academic school. That It's a school that kids want to go to, the kids are trying to go to, can't always get into. And Pat Gordon has managed to create a basketball rivalry with them now. I mean, you didn't mention the playoff game. I mean, that was Young's greatest test. Mm-hmm. They could have easily lost that game. And what was it? A, was it a sectional final or sectional semi? Sectional I think it was a semi. semi. I think. And Terrence Shannon was in foul trouble and fouled yeah. out. And if Terrence Shannon stays in that game, I'm not sure Young gets to Peoria. So, I mean, they have. They have and this team is not anywhere near as talented, sorry, as that Lincoln Park team was last year. Um, they're a lot younger, but they're still, right again, able to take them to the wire. It's pretty impressive what they have done there. Um, the Tyler Beard thing was interesting because he seems to be struggling. You know, he's been a complimentary player and been so good at that. They need him to be a star now. And yeah, I mean, he, he, he's, he's settling for jump shots and instead of what he does best, which is just attack the rim. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he's finding his way. I, I, again, I'm not from a talent perspective. Young is fine. Uh, you know, DJ Stewart was the best player on the floor, as you would expect. And, and they're going to be fine. It's just that, that, that to me was a stunner. Uh, I, I just didn't see that that happening. Um, and it, it's just going to be interesting to see what Lincoln Park, because, again, they're pretty young. Yeah. And, you know, Julio Montez is a fun little guard to watch. And he's savvy. He can shoot it. Uh, he, he's, you know, he's got it on a string with his handle. So it, it, it was a fun, fun game and with a, with a pretty good crowd for a Friday night at Whitney Young. I mean, it, it was a fun, entertaining game with a good crowd. And uh, it was just a, a huge upset, obviously the biggest upset of the year so far. Uh, my second take is a little bit about, it's kind of fun once we start to get to these, most teams have, are nearing 10 games now and, how quickly things start to change perception wise. Um, Providence St. Mel is, you know, let's start out with, you know, okay, whatever. Providence St. Mel and Uplift are the two teams I want to talk about. Um, Providence St. Mel got knocked out of the rankings. And I think Joe and I were both kind of lukewarm about them overall, not for the 1A playoffs. Clearly, you know, they're a favorite there. But now, all of a sudden, that St. Lawrence overtime loss <laughs> in early uh, December, boy, that doesn't look so bad anymore mm-hmm. after what St. Lawrence has done since then. Um, the Waukegan win, you know, has become better and better as Waukegan, you know, got hot. Yeah, they lost to Marion and didn't look very good uh, yesterday. But overall, Waukegan has, has had a solid season. And the DePaul Prep loss that I was at, it was heavy, but DePaul Prep, has proven to be one of the, you know, top 15 teams. So all of a sudden, Providence St. Mel, the two losses aren't so bad, and then they rip off wins against Lamont, Fenwick, and North Lawndale, especially that North Lawndale win at North Lawndale. It was at Collins. That's a huge win for them to get. So Providence St. Mel back in the rankings, and I think they look like a team that is among the best in the area now, which just a week ago we weren't sure. Same as Uplift. I mean, Joe and I both – I think I was a little bit more positive because, and I've kept him in because of Marquise Jacobs, but that Lincoln Park win in overtime looks a whole lot better now <laughs> than it did just a week ago when Lincoln Park was what under five hundred. Um, and then they've got the uh, the loss to Evanston. Obviously, nothing bad there. But then Uplift goes and in one week knocks off Crane, 
a Marshall team that almost got ranked. Marshall's been putting the fear of God in everybody and beating a lot of teams, including Lane. And then they beat Collins at Collins. That's three huge West for a team from the North side uplift to come in and beat three West side teams like crane Marshall and Collins. That's incredibly impressive. Whitney young is showing you how hard that is. Even when you're the top ranked team to do. So those are two teams where just in a week's time, Everything, in my opinion, has kind of changed with the perception. Uplift is 7-2. and two. They went way up in the rankings with those three big wins. And it's just it's a fun time of year where there's a bit of a, a resume, but not a huge 20-game thing where we already think we know who you are. These teams are still kind of defining themselves, and it's fun to watch. They, they, beat, they beat Lincoln Park, right? Yeah, in overtime. Yeah. I, I was at that one, yeah. Um, yeah, and St. Mel's two losses are by a combined four points. Mm-hmm. So, and, and they also beat brother rice. So St. Mel, yeah, you're right. Um, my, my takes is second take is East suburban Catholic conference made a statement. Uh, it's not that we didn't expect these teams to be good. They were all pretty hyped in the preseason and ranked, but Bennett went in to the, on the road and beat DePaul prep and Mary Catholic, took care of Waukegan at home. You know, uh, a week earlier, St. Bider beat a really good Oswego East team. So they went and they did what they needed to do in, in not big non-conference games. And now they've kind of separated themselves in that conference from the likes of, I know Carmel, I think, is 2-0 and in the league, but I think they're gonna, they've are gonna they had their struggles a little bit. Notre Dame still piecing things together. I just clearly believe that those three have kind of separated from everybody else. Marion Catholic, St. Bider, and Bennett – you know, they're a combined 27-3 and three on the year now. They are three of the top 10 teams in, in, in Mike's top 25 right now. So I, I just think those three teams have really set the stage for what's going to be a really fun couple of months in the East Suburban Catholic Conference. The only, you know, the only downside is they only play each other one time in that league. You know, we're going to have to wait a long time for, I think, Bennett and St. Vider as their last conference game of the year. So it, it, there's a lot to be played out, but those three teams, uh, you know, are all capable of, of – I mean, St. Vider is definitely capable of winning their holiday tournament. Marion Catholic could win at Hinsdale, correct? Yeah. Uh, Bennett at Pontiac. So three tough situations for them Christmas tournament time. But clearly all three have, have done what they needed to do at this point. And again, I've kind of laid the groundwork for what's going to be a fun East Suburban Catholic Conference, uh, three highly ranked teams. Yeah, it's funny because usually this is such a deep, fun conference. And this year, they got three of the best in the area, without doubt. And then everything falls off a cliff. Yeah. I, I still think Notre Dame has the potential, not to win the league, but to, you just got some scary individual talent. It's yeah. young with two sophomores. You know, on, on a particular night at Notre Dame, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I could see maybe them throwing a wrench into things, uh, standings-wise in that league. You know, with, with an upset here or there, but uh, yeah, those those three are clearly uh, three of the top ten top ten teams in the area right now as we speak. We talked about Carmel a bit. We'll see. They they actually had a decent week, picked up two wins, but. St. Pat's, I saw, you know, they weren't, they were a solid average team that on the right night in their gym could pull something off. They were capable. <laughs> I shall say they weren't too bad. Um, all right. The um, surprises 
three surprises of the season. It has been quite a season. I guess I'll start out. Um, I guess this might sound weird to people, um, but Bloom. They are... I've been excited about this Bloom group for three years, um, but they're way better than I thought they'd be right now. I did not expect... uh, 11 games into this season for them to be so good. They're much deeper than I expected. Dante Maddox and um, Donovan Newby are, they played like seniors on Friday night against HF and, you know, it was just early junior year for them. Uh, they, they might be the only team in the rankings. The only team I've seen all year that is dependent on no one. It doesn't matter if Martise Mitchell is in foul trouble and sitting and in the same game, Kishon Williams isn't hitting a shot. You take out their two best college prospects, and it doesn't matter. They can win at HF. As we've seen, you know, with Whitney Young losing, with Simeon's issues, there's no other team that can do that. Curie is good, but they're nowhere near as deep. If two of those guys go missing, they're not going to be able to beat a team. The only team I see that we've got that can do that is Bloom, and I'm, I'm kind of shocked by that and that it's happened so soon. I wouldn't have been surprised if you said this was the way in March, but in mid-December – for this team to have gone from last year's good but kind of shaky overall to being so assured this early, I'm pretty shocked. I'm surprised they're the number one seed at Pontiac. I didn't think they'd be able to pull that off, you know, as well with the way Curie and Simeon have historically gone. So Bloom is my uh, my first surprise. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think everything you said to me was possible, but you still waited to see. It's kind of like yeah. that uh, minor league baseball <laughs> you know, a bunch of prospects coming up together and they, and they, you know, all come together. I guess the Cubs, I hate the Cubs, but uh, that's right. Uh, you put it perfectly. And and that's what I said last week when they beat, um, who they beat it? Morgan Park. Morgan Park. Where in, in not all four of those players, Keyshawn Williams had a great individual game, but all four of them took turns in making key impact plays and, and, and in that throughout that game. So that's why, you know, you see that happen in that type of game. And like you said, they're going to have a night where one or two of them is off or foul trouble or, uh, you know, but yeah, they clearly have come together. And then you can't discount the, the continuity that they have. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, playing together and you just see – Guys in Chicago Heights coming together. I, I, I love the story personally, I, and, and uh, it's great for Bloom and it's great for high school basketball to have them back uh, as a relevant program. Uh, my first surprise is Riverside Brookfield, and and a little bit what you just said. You knew Bloom was going to be good. You had high expectations, and to a degree, not to the Bloom's degree, but I, I thought RB was. I saw them several times in the summer. They had a good nucleus back. My massive top 85 teams, I had them rank 33. So it's not as if they've come out of nowhere. But, you know, they are better than probably everyone thought they were going to be. And they just have five seniors right now. Again, we talk about playing together. And and, and, uh, those five seniors are, are, none of them are Division I players. But they're all going to play college basketball, I believe, somewhere. And that says a lot for, you know, the kind of balance they have. Zach Via, the point guard, and, you know, Andrew Vion is, is a really could have a chance to be a small college scholarship kid. And 
I, I just think that they've they got the wins. Now it kind of goes what you said earlier about you learn maybe some wins are not as or losses aren't as bad as you thought or wins weren't as good. You could probably say that a little bit about RB right now. The win over Oak Park. Oak Park are still very good and talented, but they've struggled. They, they they throttled Kenwood. And what I'm getting at is they've beaten these teams. The Lions Township, very solid team, off to a good start, 6-3. and three. They crushed Lions by 20. Uh, they beat Kenwood by 20-some. They beat Oak Park by 20. Uh, they beat, I mean, Michael Conception is not – but they're taking care of business. They beat them by 40 over the weekend. So this is a potent offensive team with their one loss to Farragut. We talked a little bit about that weird situation. Uh, their top two guards shot one for 18. Uh, Zach Via and uh, Patrick Hanley against, against Farragut, which is unheard of. That probably will never happen again. Uh, and they had that delay and waited around for an hour and so forth. But Riverside Brookfield has put themselves in a position here as a number one seed and at the York tournament. Uh, they'll have a good test against Aurora Christian in their conference this year. And, you know, who knows? That sectional. That sectional is going to be loaded. Young will be probably the top seed when it all shakes out. But RB is going to be a dangerous team in March with five senior starters and of and, and a lot of different weapons. Yeah, I had a angry RB fan on the um, website. He was complaining about that Farragut thing. One of his points was that they were they had exhausted themselves by warming up for almost an hour and it, um, there's no rule that you have to, you can just sit down. But I mean, I know exhausted. I, I just, I mean, no, that was I his mean, thing. He thought they'd worn themselves out. Yeah, warm it's, up. Not because of that. it's more about yeah. just the whole, yeah. I think it's mental more than physical. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. I mean, and I got it, but it was funny. It was as if they were required to, keep running the layup line for an hour. <laughs> was... Coach, we got to still do this. <laughs> yeah, we're exhausted. It's been an hour. Um, anyway, uh, my my second surprise is an actual surprise. It's not like an oh, whatever. This is like holy moly. Um, sitting there at the Chicago League Classic, and this guy starts for Bogan. I have no idea who he is. And I could probably have named if there was a gun to my head, 14 Bogan players. <laughs> and he was not one of them. And he starts. His name's Kennedy Brown and he's six foot nine. And then he goes out there and he plays really well and flashes a lot of potential. And so I'm thinking, okay, whatever. We, we find out he's in, he's from Evergreen Park. And I looked in the back and the Evergreen Park coach was excited about him last year. But, you know, it's Evergreen Park, so nobody knew or saw anything about him. I don't know what he did over the spring or summer. I've not talked to him yet. But then I watched him play at Morgan Park. And Bogan Morgan Park is a you're not going to get a more intense game as Jordan Booker said or no, it was Adam Miller. He said whoever loses is going to cry. That's just the way it is. <laughs> and it's that intense. Adam Miller himself, you know, Mr. Superstar Prospect did not play well in it at all his first time. He was benched in the second half. So there's this Kennedy Brown, this 6'9 kid who is from Evergreen Park, and he's thrown into the Morgan Park gym in this massive rivalry. Morgan Park's got about three or four bigs that just leap at you and you know are super aggressive, and he scores 13 points and grabs eight rebounds. They ended up losing that game. It wasn't his fault. Kennedy Brown has continued to play well, and it's just basketball is so huge around here. And Joe and I spend hours talking on this podcast about it. And here it is, this 6'9 kid just 
seems to pop up and is clearly going to be, you know, a good college prospect and nobody knew about him a month ago. Well, I'm going to keep the Bogan thing going here because my individual player, I've got some, my surprises as individual players and, and some people who read my column and stuff that I write in the paper and online know I put that out there this week, some individual players who have really stepped up, particularly young ones. And that story was about young players that, yeah, we knew their names and they've progressed and, you know, you're waiting to take the next step, but man, have they taken the next step. And before I get to that, though, I'm continuing with the Bogan thing. It's Rashawn Agee, who did not have a great summer on the AAU circuit. He was, you know, okay. Uh, He did not get what you needed to get done to attract the type of offers, interest at the college level that he probably deserves, but he had to show it. And it didn't quite do that when all the eyes were watching him in July. But if anybody was taken in a Bogan game over these first six weeks, Mike's been in, I think, two or three of them. I was at the Simeon Bogan game last week where he he was the best player on the floor. He And, and he's a athletic 6'7", six, 6'8", six, post player who, who showed in the Simeon game, he hit, I think, two threes. Yeah, two and out of three. Yeah. about three or four face-up 12 to 15-foot jumpers. Uh, that's, if you watch Rasan Agee, that's a huge, huge step forward for him. He can run the floor. He's playing with aggression. He, he's productive. He's having a fantastic start to a senior year. He's playing like an all-stater. He has elevated himself. You know, I talked to college coaches, and, uh, you know, he's a clear mid-major right now. So Rashawn Agee, not so much a surprise overall as a, as a prospect, but just surprising that he's been this good, this early, and this impactful for a Bogan team that uh, we all said they got a bunch of players, really good players, but no true star. Well, that might be changing because Rashawn Agee's playing like a superstar right now. Yeah, if he was, um, you're you're 100% right. And it is a surprise because he was, his high school season was also a little disappointing uh, junior year. But if I had to vote for player of the year right now, it would be him. And he was not one of my contenders <laughs> when the season started. Um, but he's definitely. Yeah, nor should he player. have been. I mean, yeah. nobody would have ever guessed Rashawn Agee would be. I, not, I'll go a step further. I don't, I don't think anybody would have said that he would be an all-stater. Forget player of the year, you know, in the Sun-Times, Chicago area. I don't even think he was a worthy all-state candidate. But, uh, I mean, he's a no-brainer all-stater right now. Yeah, that's funny, too. He was – A.G. was 2 of 3 from three-point range. When I saw T.J. Wicks down in Kankakee, he was 2 of 3 from three-point range. They're big man. And Martise Mitchell, the last game where I saw him actually play, he barely played against H.F., he was 2 of 3 from three-point range. So we got all these bigs. I guess the uh, NBA uh, – Three-point shooting is, I guess, starting to creep in a little bit uh, with these bigs liking the threes. At least they're not taking more than three. Um, my next surprise, it's not positive. <laughs> we're, we're right. My, my next one's not positive either, so we're, uh, we're, there we go. Um, if you listen to No Shot Clock, and you clearly do, <laughs> if you're still listening, you are well aware of my hopes and dreams and belief. In the Waukegan Bulldogs. <laughs> <sighs> well, I think um, unlike... You're Simi- not jumping ship already. I'm jumping ship. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I was a year, a year and a year and a third in. I think it's been longer than that. <laughs> More like three years, two and two and a half, whatever. Yeah, I, uh, boy, uh, Jaden Brown is not on the team. Jaden, Jaden, I don't know how you which one it was. He, um, I don't. He's not even on the roster. I didn't notice that. I talked to Ron Ashlaw for a while before the game, um, but I didn't talk to him afterwards because they. They just lost the plot in the second half against Marion Catholic, and it was pretty messy. And Bryant Brown, I think I saw a little bit of what people see over the summer. Um, Aaron Eulis did a really nice job limiting him down low, so Bryant Brown took was limited, taking a lot of threes. It, it just, yeah, didn't. Uh, I, I was disappointed. Um, Marion Catholic is clearly a problem for everybody because they are so long and athletic. So I, I don't want to. Waukegan's still going to be a big threat in that sectional. They could win Wheeling. We'll hope. I, I'd like to be turned around, but I was pretty excited headed in, heading in to see one loss Waukegan at Marion Catholic, and it was disappointing, and I was surprised. <laughs> so. Well, I mean they, I mean they lost to St. Mel in season opener. Um, Marion Catholic took care of them pretty easily. Other than that, I mean, Kenwood, is that their best win? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, it's kind of put up or shut up time, you know, and with that senior group and, you know, we'll see how that plays out. But my last one is is before the representatives from this conference and fans of this conference get all over me for this, please remember I, I wrote a positive piece about the Southwest Prairie uh, right before the season started and just touting it as just a conference that's just kind of loaded with balance and, and intrigue because of the, you know, there was a ranked team at the top in Oswego East and getting all the early season hype. And then there was a, a you know, five, six, seven teams even that are in this league that I thought are really going to be competitive. I put, I think I had six or seven of them in my, top 85 and it's not like the the league is not bottomed out by any means uh, you know Romeoville's off to a nice start Oswego East is is obviously ranked and their only losses to a ranked team but I, I just looking at the scores seeing some of the teams that I've seen I, I'm a little worried that they're not quite going to be what I thought they were going to be and, and you look at you know Oswego East had their one big kind of big stage moment it was it's not clearly it's not bad to lose a St. Viator, but that score wasn't really as close as the game, or that game wasn't as close as the score indicated. And it, I mean, Ray J. Dennis went nuts in the fourth quarter and double-digit deficit and closed it to within three or four, however many they lost. You know, Romeoville had a big opportunity to kind of you know make a major statement playing Bolingbrook without Tyler Cochran and. You know they lost Joliet West, Mike Ugh. two and seven. Yeah. Um, you know Oswego was just drilled by St. Charles East by twenty six over the weekend. Plainfield East and Plainfield North, who I kind of had high hopes for, both of them. You know they're a combined nine and nine. Uh, you know, provide Plainfield East lost to Willowbrook, so you know a bunch of these teams. I, I I'm not saying they were all going to be ranked teams, but they were all. I don't. I don't know if any of them, other than aside from Romeoville and Oswego East, are kind of playing up to where I I, I kind of thought they would be. Oh, Central, Joliet. the Steelmen are. Yeah, yeah, six and six and two. Um, so I just, 
I had some high hopes for the league, and, and it's still early. And I think Christmas tournament time will kind of show where some of these teams are. Oswego East makes that move to Hinsdale Central, which is a you – know, we'll get into this during our holiday tournament preview, but Hinsdale Central might be – it might be the second-best tournament uh, if you really break it down. So Oswego East there has got a big opportunity to – uh, to make some noise and, and kind of solidify themselves. Uh, and then, you know, some of these other teams, are, you know, I think Plainfield East goes down to Pekin still. And, you know, Plainfield North might be up against it at, at Pontiac. Uh, and Juliet West Central like the, will be. The, the two seed at Bloomington or something. Yeah, so it's an opportunity to kind of reestablish some of that mojo I, I thought they'd have coming into the season. Uh, again, it's not... We're not in some dire straits here. I mean, you got Romeoville eight and one, Oswego East at seven and one, but they they're, they're lacking the which we've talked about in the past, a postseason success minus the Joliet schools, and that's what they've been lacking. And if you want to validate yourself, you, you got to come up with some of these big wins, uh, non conference wise. All right, let's take a look at the week ahead. Not a loaded week, but a massive rivalry week. Tuesday. Not a loaded Tuesday, but there are some interesting games. West Aurora and South Elgin are both off to really good starts. They're going to meet up. Glenbrook South and Maine South. We've got Evanston, Zion, Benton. Richards against Riverside, Brookfield. That's going to be a good test for both of those teams. And then the... Then the rivalries begin. Waukegan is at North Chicago. That should be a lot of fun. Wednesday, pretty dead. Although, that's a, that's a struggling team right there. Yeah, North Chicago. North Chicago. Yeah. No doubt. That's what the Steelmen have in not the first to, round. Not to kill your buzz on the rivalry. But... Well, a lot of these rivalries have struggling teams, but they are definite huge rivalries. And it's weird how they are all this week. It's kind of crazy. Well, I mean, Grays Lake Central took down... North yeah. Chicago this week. Oh, boy. Um, not a loaded slate on Wednesday. Lynn Bloom's off to a nice start. They play Crane. Thursday, we've got the Joliet Central at Joliet West. Lincoln Park at Peyton. And Oswego East at Oswego. So those are all three good rivalry games. Friday, we've got Wheaton Warrenville South against Wheaton North. St. Charles East against St. Charles North. Geneva, Batavia. Schaumburg, Hoffman Estates, West Aurora, East Aurora, Elgin against Larkin. It's just all all of them. I wonder if they planned it this Friday because all the college kids are home for sure. I don't. It's weird um, that all of these fall on the same day. The best game on Friday is definitely Leo at DePaul. Um, and then also we talked about HF is at Simeon. I'll probably be at one of those. I'm not sure which. Uh, Providence St. Mel has a big test at Loyola. On Friday, that should be interesting. And Downers Grove North is at York. We did not talk about York in the podcast. They would have definitely qualified probably as a surprise. Um, Not that they're good, but that they've been so good. And they're in the rankings now. Uh, Saturday is very light. Um, Waukegan is at St. Charles East. And and Johnsburg is... (laughs) I was going to mention Johnsburg Dixon. That's just on my list because I want to see Zach Toussaint at 3 o'clock. The Jacobs tournament starts on Saturday, so there's a full slate of games there. So not a lot going on Saturday. I'm sure a lot of you guys will be traveling for the holidays. Joe and I will have the um, holiday tournament preview episode. I'm not sure what day we were going to put it out, but... Work will commence shortly <laughs> on the holiday tournament preview episode, and it'll probably be out. Maybe we'll try and get it out over the weekend 
for the holiday drives because I know a lot of people take off over the weekend. So stay tuned. I'll keep you updated on Twitter. And thanks for listening, everybody. Mm-hmm.